Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why, you might ask, to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations, as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. Brittany, thank you for coming mm-hmm. on. Well, I thank you. So tell us about yourself. Tell us your story. Tell us your deep, dark secrets, Brittany. I feel like I should be closer to a microphone for that. You I also can, feel like I should list off, like, I enjoy long walks on the beach and People might chocolate. be interested. I know Darlene. I do not enjoy long walks on the beach, <laughs> although I like hot chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't enjoy long walks anywhere, dude. No, well, no I like long walks, just <laughs> yeah. like to a Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. To a Starbucks or somewhere where we can have coffee. Well, yeah, somewhere to stop in between. Nice. Okay. Say, it's all you. Oh, so okay, I'll just I'll start. Start a me bit. off. Here. I'll help you. I'll try to start you off. Start me up. What was that a song by? I got uh, nothing, man. Start me up. Rolling Stones. Oh, Rolling yeah. Stones. Yeah. Um, anyway, so years ago, the first time I met you, and this you can correct me if I'm wrong about the first time, but I believe it was when your mom and I worked together at In From the Cold, and you came in to work as well. Mm. Long before that, my Long friend. Long before that. Um, okay, but I drank a lot back then, so yeah, a little blurry. Yeah, no, no punishment. I mean, I did a lot of acid about that time, so may have met huh. you and not actually met you. But <laughs> no, I want to say like it was before that. Um, so was it at was it at Central? So yeah, it would have been at oh, Central. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Um, yeah, but I think it was like. I think we like cursory met mm-hmm. and then like it was like a function of some kind mm. that like I talked to you for longer than three minutes. And then after that, I was just super uncomfortable because I think I was like, was, like my mom came in when I was 12. Yeah. So like I wouldn't have been a whole ton older than that. No. And like you were cool and I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just found you annoying, mm-hmm. so I really didn't know what to do. Yeah. And then we just we, we grew on that and fed off that, and mm-hmm. now you're my favorite annoying person. Yeah, and you'd be so. like you're one of the favorite people that I have to annoy. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a real like simpatico relationship. It, ha- it is. It's no? like very much like it's like uh, it's like you're the bird on my hippo back. Yeah, yeah. Not, you're not hippo back. My no, arse. but you're the one eating the bugs. Oh. I'll totally eat bugs for you. I know. Yeah. Like, that's why you're the bird. Totally. Yeah. I feel bad that I don't know what the bird's name is now. I have no idea. Just call him Dave. Yes. Yeah. It will be Dave the bird. So tell us about your journey. And honestly, you can start wherever you want, but I know mm-hmm. that over the last year, 
Yeah. There's been some incredible changes, like incredible. You don't have to talk about anything you don't want to, but obviously that might help someone, yeah. especially those kinds of stories, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I credit a lot of the last year to you mm. and your partner um, in that support and that level of empathy and I want to say pushiness, but it wasn't pushiness. It was just like anytime I was willing to sink back in, you guys were there. So I appreciate that accountability. Mm. Um, it's our pleasure. Yeah. Um, it's a hard thing. It is. Yeah, I've been out of the closet as bi since I was 15 years old. The mm -hmm. uh, very first person I told was my very Catholic grandmother. Nice. And I sat on her dryer while she did laundry and I said, Grandma, I think... I like boys and girls. And she kept folding her towels without skipping a beat and mm -hmm. said, I personally don't understand you faggots, but if you are one, Jeez. I'll love you anyway. And I mean, in the years that followed, we discussed how you can't call people faggots. Yeah. And she grew immensely, yeah. as did I. Um, and that was my first interaction with any form of not normal orientation coming mm -hmm. out. Um, and truth be told, it is the single most loving thing my grandmother ever said to me Yeah, because my grandmother was very devout Catholic, mm. very. And I mean, in a lot of ways, my grandma went against the Catholic reign. She was on birth control. At one point she worked outside of the house, which wasn't traditional. Uh, I come from a very Catholic Dutch family, um, Those but it's Dutch. very matriarchal. Those Dutch. I know. <laughs> Get good things. Salted licorice, <laughs> ovens. Canals. Um, yeah. Potatoes. Potatoes. Yeah. Um, bikes. Yes. Bicycles are important. Wooden shoes. Tulips. <laughs> and they were the hub of yeah. science at one point in our human yes. history. So. Well, and I mean, spend yeah. five minutes with me and we still are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a nerd. Um, so the fact that my grandma was willing to love me in spite of mm. who I loved um, was a decent experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand now, you know, over 20 years later that it would be nice to be loved, period, yeah. and not have who I love play a part of that equation. Mm -hmm. But that's not the world we live in. Yeah, not quite. Um, I mean, some days I think we're getting closer, and other days I think we're further away than we ever have been. So I guess time will tell. Mm -hmm. um, so 15 Came out to my grandma, went to Catholic high school, and came out to everyone there. Mm -hmm. And it was never just like a, hey, this is me. It was just, this is how I live my life. Uh, not very often did I ever announce it. Mm -hmm. um, based on the way I look, most people assume I'm gay anyway. Mm -hmm. um, what do you mean? Because for growing up for a lot of years, I was, I was pretty masculine. Oh, in a lot okay. of ways. Yeah, you, were, you were kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I, you know, dress and dressed and acted pretty masculine. Mm -hmm. So fit those stereotypes pretty well with short hair and such. Uh, and there still are a lot of times where I fall a little bit more masculine on the, you know, that gender role stereotyping mm -hmm. and that identity stereotyping. Um, except for today. Today I'm actually wearing a skirt. Um, I've never once thought of you as like dressing masculine, to be honest. It yeah. never occurred to me. I don't think I do. I dress how I yeah. choose to dress and what feels comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Um, it's just what other people put on me. 
Um, and it is what it is. Um, so anyway, I, I went to a school in high school. Um, I went to Bishop Carroll. You went to a high school in school? Yeah, I went to a school okay. in high school. Okay. <laughs> um, I went, I went to, I was going to say, I went to a school called Bishop Carroll in high Bishop school. Bishop Carroll. Um, and it's an independent learning self-paced high school. My parents said, my mom doesn't subscribe to, um, Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was the environment I was raised in. I went through Catholic schooling from start to finish. Bishop Carroll's Catholic? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never Bishop. Been, yeah. That's the one by, yeah, yeah. but that's the one every, by everyone Royal. comes up with these names and it doesn't mean mm -hmm. shite to the most of them. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, that's no, by like, Mount Royal, right? That's the one. Yeah. 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 We used to go over <laughs> to Asia garden for lunch all the time. Mount Royal. All right. Um, yeah, I I grew up with the idea of a god. Mm -hmm. My parents had put me in it uh, in Catholic school so that someday when I was old enough, um, I could make an educated decision about whether or not I believed mm -hmm. in a god. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom didn't feel it was right to stick me in a secular school. And then because we didn't go to church a whole lot when I was younger, um, assumed that I would believe in a God of whatever understanding when I was older. Uh, she didn't want to, you know, she was sort of a lead the horse to water mm -hmm. kind of deal. So by high school, um, I started taking these seminars at Bishop Carroll um, that started teaching me about other religions mm -hmm. and started teaching me about, like, to question to question whether or not I should uh, believe in a God, mm -hmm. to question whether or not I should have sex or what safe sex looked like emotionally, mentally, and physically. Um, it was this really eye-opening experience. It was the only part of high school, I think, besides playing poker in the cafeteria that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, and I never once missed a seminar, which is pretty awesome considering... I think I was in high school a total of like 122 days. And out of those, <laughs> those 121 were probably <laughs> for religious studies. <laughs> so it sort of planted a seed for wanting to ask more questions and wanting to learn more. And the whole way through um, that time, through my childhood and up until, you know, into my teenage years, um, I had spent a lot of time pushing down um a lot of the person i i have since figured out that i am uh, not just identity or orientation uh, a lot of the little nuances that make up my character mm -hmm. um i tried to minimize a great deal um i was raised by a wonderful mom um but who was relatively absent until i was well into my teenage years mm -hmm. And my biological father ditched off when I was 10 months old. And my dad, who raised me from the time I was two on, uh, came from a pretty staunch British family. Uh, so there was no room for feelings. There was no time for feelings. Um, and apparently I'm a very feeling-based person. Hmm. I mean, who'd have known? Um, so my... <laughs> My sister was born really sick when I was eight, and I was stuck in therapy right away because uh, my my parents were especially not around at that point because they were focusing on my sister. Yeah. So from eight years old on, 
from 10 months old on, from two years old, you know, old on, I had this reoccurring message that I just wasn't that important. Mm. And that as long as I fell in line uh, with the status quo, then, you know, I could get by. Uh, it was better to sort of float under the radar than it was to stand out. Mm. And you're like the good furniture in the, you know, the front living room and mm. nobody touched you and nobody talked to you. And you just sat there and presented pretty. Um, which is about sums up my entire childhood, youth, and early adulthood. Mm -hmm. um, so through high school, as I'm learning to question my entire belief system, uh, and I'm learning to question the world around me properly, um, I fell in love with a girl. And I mean, I'd like had some boyfriends and girlfriends up until that point, but I fell in like serious 16, 17 year old girl love. Mm. Um, and I mean, I, I still love her very much. She's since passed away and she was a wonderful person. Falling in love with a girl though, when you're Catholic and Dutch and the entire idea of what you stand for and have to be when you grow up mm -hmm. is to have children and get married um, sort of didn't coexist well so I panicked and started dating a boy instead when I was in high school and I dated that boy on and off for three years um, after high school I took some time off before I went to university because I was burnt out from some serious drugs and a serious amount of, you know, running away from who I was. Mm. I didn't realize it at the time that I was running away that hard. I mean, I had an inclination, but didn't realize it was that hard. Um, when I was 19, I, I figured out that I was drinking and running too hard mm. and I sobered up um, December, December 2001, um, December 2nd, 2001, there we go. Mm -hmm. um, I was almost dead. I weighed very little. I hadn't eaten properly and three or four years I had done an exuberant amount of drugs um, whose sole their sole purpose was to physically create amnesia mm. um, because there was so much that I didn't want to remember I didn't it didn't come to light until I was almost that age that I had um, been sexually abused by a friend of the family for a while and had repressed that. Didn't realize like how good that was, like how good I was at that until like that came out. Mm -hmm. um, and there are still chunks of my life that I don't quite remember, but that's okay. They'll come back eventually, I hope. Um, so when I sobered up, um, I had been in a family that was slowly sobering up too. My mom was recovering. My uncle was. Um, 
his partner was, my cousin was. Like, I think at that point I was sort of going along with status quo too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad I did. Um, I was in the program. I was in CA and AA for three and a half years mm-hmm. um, and went through uh, Venta Treatment Center and their long-term uh, treatment center. And I'm still friends with one of my roommates from there mm-hmm. and still talk to a few people um, from there. Cool. I, When I was in treatment, I realized yet again that I loved a girl. Mm-hmm. And I said it to this wonderful, short, blonde-haired little lesbian woman with this raspy voice who was also in the treatment center. I may be disclosing anonymity. I'm sorry. Um, but no. But she, she's, she, all she said was, I know. I know, honey. I know. <laughs> and that was the first time I'd, I'd said it, was mm-hmm. that I was gay. Um, and I panicked really bad mm-hmm. after I made it 24 hours of like telling the entire world that I was gay and like so happy to say it out loud and so proud of myself mm-hmm. and like understood like the idea behind the rainbow finally because <laughs> yeah. I felt like <laughs> I was shitting rainbows. <laughs> and then 24 hours passed and it all shut down again. <clears throat> And again, it became that message of my entire goal in life is to grow up, get married and have children. Mm. And don't forget growing up, you know, I mean, I'm not that old. I'm 36 years old, but gay marriage wasn't legal. Mm. When I told my mom and my mom's, I mean, my mom's told me this over the past couple of years now, when I told my mom when I was a teenager that I was bi, she figured at that point that I was gay and it was just a segue. Mm. Um, and apparently everyone knew I was gay before I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just like a, it was a shift. We're going to hang out here yeah. and bisexual yeah. and then we're going to move In purgatory on. <laughs> before we go all the way to hell. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're going to yeah. be here where it really sucks to be yeah. for as long as we can. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to live here. Um, so she, she said that, she said that since, um, over the past couple of years, she's told me a few times that um, when she, when I came out to her as bi, that she grieved the idea of ever seeing me walk down the aisle mm. um, because she figured I would end up with a woman. And at that time, gay marriage wasn't legal. Yeah. And knowing that I've lived through that chunk of time mm-hmm. and made it to this side of history is pretty pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, I feel really old now. Um, well, it's because you've been there. I mean, I am. <laughs> Not as old as my girlfriend. <laughs> Almost as old as your girlfriend? <laughs> Never will be. <laughs> Um, so, so she's robbing the cradle is what she's doing absolutely right, cool okay. little baby just wants to be helped <laughs> aren't we all yeah absolutely <laughs> um i so when i went back in the closet again um i mean i was 20 and had been in therapy since i was eight mm-hmm. and had seen I don't know how many therapists and counselors. um, I was just so angry all the time and didn't know why. And I was, I was angry, like Mm -hmm. angry, scary, angry, and turned that 
ch- stuff in really hard mm-hmm. and turned it into the drugs and the alcohol and the you know casual sex and the hurting myself and hurting other people mm-hmm. and i just didn't understand why and it never once clicked no. um so i stayed sober for a couple more years after that um and learned a lot of things um I made a decision uh, uh, three and a half years sober um, that the 12-step program wasn't working for me at the mm-hmm. time. Not that I wasn't working it, that it wasn't what I needed, that where my trauma lied, mm-hmm. laid, um, was in some other stuff. Mm-hmm. And that the drugs and the booze and the lifestyle were a symptom of that stuff. Yeah. And that I needed to work on that stuff. And the 12-step program didn't offer that intensive amount of treatment. Thank God, because it's yeah. only lay people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. run by humans. Yes. Yes. Um, so I went back into therapy on my own accord hmm. and backed away from this 12-step program. Um, very grateful for my three and a half years in it, mm-hmm. um, but needed to start healing some trauma. Um, I mean... Looking back, I got abandonment, rejection, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, religious abuse. I just, I didn't even know who I was at, I mean, not that anyone really does in their 20s. Not that I do in my 30s. So, um, it happened again where I met a girl and I dated her for a few months and then I dated a boy, a boy for three years who used drugs for the last two years of our relationship. And funny thing I've learned in my years on this planet is that the more I focus on those things outside of me to help me ignore the things inside of me, mm-hmm. uh, the worse the things inside of me get. Yeah. So imagine that. Yeah, no uh, doubt. So after three and a half years with him, I was almost dead again. Because again, like those things are the symptoms of the problem. Yeah. Um, So I said I was done with, you know, dating. And I'd been in therapy again for six Mm months-ish. And I said, okay, I'm done. Like I want to get married now and settle down. Mm -hmm. I don't want to date a, you know, a drug addict. Um. So I started interviewing boys because really that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was just dating boys, but I was just friends with them. And met who turned out to be my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to him for about a year before we went on our first date. And the first day we met, I phoned everyone else I was dating and said, uh, you know, that I was like courting and said, I'm done, and I met the right person. Mm. Because the very first time we met face-to-face, when we were talking, he said that um, I, I went to say something, and he said, don't worry about it. Don't even You don't even have to say it. I get it, and it's okay. And you're okay, and we'll be okay. And it was the most reassuring thing anyone had ever told me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what about that little quip was enough to put every single thing that I'd ever been afraid of in my life back in a little box so that I could tuck it away. 
and just feel safe for a moment. And that's what he offered. And he did for 13 years. Um, we got married eight months after we met. Mm -hmm. And we had our first child um, just over a year after we were married. Um, because my entire goal in life that I'd been told was to get married and have children. Mm -hmm. And it was always a given. He didn't ask me to marry him. It was just always a given that we were going to get married. Mm -hmm. um, so we did. And then we had kids. And we had kids born with some special needs. Mm -hmm. And I never really got much time to focus on anything other than them. And then my husband started working out of town after our third kid was born uh, with some extraordinary needs. And so then I went a month or two at a time, completely isolated with three children, all with special needs. Um, and their dad, to his credit, is a wonderful man. Mm. He's one of my best friends and a wonderful soul with a great sense of humor. Um, but over the last year and a half, um, it's come to light somehow. I'm not sure how it all started other than one question from a friend. Um, I'm gay. Like, I'm not bi. I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference. And, like, I thought I got that before. It was just when I realized that I was gay that I really understood, no, like, there's actually a difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I was out in Banff with my best friend from the one that I was a roommate with in treatment, mm -hmm. we were in Banff and uh, she asked me while we were leading a parade down Banff Ave uh, in the middle of the night if I was out yet. And I didn't understand what she meant. Yeah, you're like, yeah, we're outside. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of a road out yeah. right by a mountain. And... She said, no, like, did you come out of the closet yet? And I was like, oh, I've been out for like 20 years. She goes, no, 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 no. Like, it's a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, no. <laughs> Side eye, I don't know what you're talking about. And You're a lesbian. Yeah, it was like super like, no, turn your lazy eye at me. Like, yeah. I need to actually glare at you. <laughs> <laughs> Put that baton down and let's have a discussion. Oh, shit. Um, so we did on the countertop of <laughs> Aardvark Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so who'd have thought? Here's this tiny little sprite of a, you know, a Cape Retner that could evoke such panic and paranoia and fear and <laughs> self-loathing and everything inside of me like totally killed the entire weekend and I drove home almost in complete silence and let her flip through the tunes and that moment uh February long weekend of last year hmm. was what started my spiral yeah. and I don't say that word lightly yeah. it was like I I was in therapy still Mm -hmm. on and off my whole freaking life and i switched therapists right that up there because this was not something that i could like deal with again and i got transferred over to a therapy team that is through the parent diagnostic center mm. <clears throat> excuse me the parent consultation center um, as a result of my kids, two of my kids being involved with children's mental health mm -hmm. through Alberta Health Services. 
And so I go for my first intake appointment and I sit down in this therapist's office and I look around and she's got freaking pride flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. And she's got a picture of her hugging somebody um, standing beside uh, a pride parade in New York mm-hmm. that she'd been to that year. And I don't, like I tried so hard to keep that dam up, mm-hmm. but like we weren't even three sentences into a discussion. And she says, so tell me why you're here. And I like took all of my surroundings in and I could feel the color draining from my face. <laughs> yeah. And like the knot that had been in my stomach mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember burst. And I opened my mouth and everything came out Mm -hmm. and everything that I had worked so meticulously to push the F down and like keep buried and sought through every single source outside of myself to shove on top of that came out and I puked like verbally and physically vomited in her office. No, no oh, inner garbage can. That would have been awesome. Some of it sprayed back in hit her water bottle, though. <laughs> but that's okay. Did she drink out of it after? No. I've never seen it since. She did get a new one. <laughs> I don't know if that's why. Fair enough. We'll go with she lost yeah. the other one. Whatever. She doesn't know. want to touch her puke. That's why. Oh, her loss. <laughs> totally. Other people have. Well, in fact, somebody on Bamf that night did. Yeah. But neither here nor there. <laughs> um, I didn't mean... For it to come out i didn't mean to come out mm-hmm. and it did and it did and everything did mm-hmm. so after i left this woman gasping in the midst of my verbal spew um she gave me a notepad and asked me to write down the three things that i thought i needed mm-hmm. to face and one of them was my kids stuff because my kids have some some disabilities and disorders that mm-hmm. do not make my life anything less than stressful on the best days. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was some childhood stuff that I didn't realize. I didn't realize I hadn't been taught how to attach to people. Mm-hmm. And that like falling in love with people and then panicking and running away wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. And finding an alternative second best. And staying with that for multiples of years wasn't normal. Um, So that was one. And then the third one was like, shit, I'm gay Mm -hmm. and I'm married. My kids all go to Catholic school because I wanted to do for them what my mom did for me because clearly that worked out so very well. (laughs) Like I should go, let me just backtrack a little bit. Mm -hmm. When I went into university, um, I went in for psych theology sociology and world religions they almost have two degrees um but when it came to applying them i wanted to counsel lgbtq plus youth Mm -hmm. that were closeted or dealing with ostracization because of their religious community Mm -hmm. and the closer i got to finishing each degree the more i panicked So needless to say, like I didn't finish that Mm -hmm. because that would be too close to home. So like I spent $39,000 going into debt to stay in the closet. Yeah. So when all of this came out, 
by this I mean me. Mm-hmm. I like I did I didn't know what to do, and I spiraled further. And like my antidepressants weren't working, my anti-anxiety meds weren't working. I was having panic attacks in Walmart again, and everything that I'd been trying not to look at was staring back at me everywhere I went, and I felt like I was drowning in like this sea of inability to cope with anything anymore. And I mean, for somebody that had been in therapy for so freaking long, you would figure I would have some sort of coping tool, but I really don't. Like, I don't. Um, So after a solid few months of spiraling and uh, turning inward, like uh, shutting out the world, um, I just like, and I'd been talking to my friends and my therapists about it. Um, and trying to get some sort of clarity, like about what I'm supposed to do. So like, I realized this, but now what? And here I am married and three kids, three kids who don't transition well. And here I am going to try and force a transition on them. And they can't even go to the grocery store without a meltdown most of the time. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, so July of last year, I went off to Vancouver to see a concert with that same friend from Banff and she knew where I was at. Like she knew I was gay and that I hadn't quite discussed it with the husband yet. Um, cause I wasn't sure, like I was trying to grow into it before I forced him to grow into it. Right. Um, So we had a good night one night out on Granville and I drunkenly got a tattoo on my ankle after the one I got that matched hers um, of a big gay triangle because I can't just say I'm gay. Like I got to tattoo it on my body so that the entire world knows it before I can say it out loud. Because again, let me reiterate the common theme, everyone else in my world knew I was gay before I did. So now I just wear it on my ankle. Um, so at that point, like I got home from Vancouver and like the, the lady at the counter um, when I was going to get on the plane, I actually had to put her arm in mine and walk me down the corridor onto the plane because I couldn't get on the corridor to get on the plane. I was panicking so bad. Mm. I I kept having this, like, scripting that sentence. Like, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm in an anxiety spiral, I pick that one thing, you know, and I just keep going with it. So it was very simply, I can't go back. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I can't do my life. Mm-hmm. And you ever see that Simpsons where Marge is stuck on the plane and she's like, I got to get off, I got to get off, I got to get off, and she's running mm-hmm. back and forth? That's what it was in my head. And if, I'd have could, if I could have moved my feet at that point, mm-hmm. it would have been me on the plane. But this very nice lady with very strong perfume walked me down the corridor and onto the plane. And my best friend buckled my seatbelt for me and then walked me off the plane mm-hmm. into my waiting husband's arms. Um, and her boyfriend showed up with flowers and it was lovely. And my husband stood there, you know, because I think he knew. <laughs> But, you know, it just didn't tell me like everyone else. Yeah. So um, 
we spent a few days together before he went back to work. Uh, he still works out of town, so he went back to work for a few weeks. I phoned him an hour after his flight landed. I FaceTimed him because it wasn't one of those things that I could like sit and look at him and do, but knew I owed him a face-to-face discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like the middle of July and I'm wearing pants because I... I I don't think he would have understood that it was a giant gay triangle, but I understood that mm-hmm. that's the meaning behind it, and I wasn't okay with that um, until I told him. Mm-hmm. So I told him over FaceTime, and I like, you know, stuck the, my phone up against the side of the car so I could, you know, religiously smoke cigarettes while I was doing it, and said like, I don't know how to tell you this, and but I need to, so just let me spiel and backpedal. And I said, I'm gay. And I don't know what that means. And he said, you know, to like again, greatest man. Well, what do you need? Like, do you need me to come home? Do you need me to stay away? Do you need a boyfriend? Do you need a girlfriend? Do you need therapy? Do you need me to go to therapy with you? Tell me what you need. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. Like, God, if I'd have known at any point in my life what I needed, I would have done that. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody ever told me how to take care of myself, let alone how to meet my own needs. Mm-hmm. So. Especially when they're that complex though. Yeah. 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 Well, and I don't know that anyone could have taught me that. Yeah. I just, yeah. So, um, we started having regular conversations and checking in with each other. Mm-hmm. And it was about that time that I started talking to you and your partner about it. And, um, you guys were the first people I told that weren't like, my core best friends Mm -hmm. that I was gay and you guys were probably the people that I was most vulnerable with about it. Mm. Being vulnerable in general isn't an easy thing for me Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, but being vulnerable about that um, was a very scary thing. And I didn't, I still don't understand completely and I don't know that I ever will uh, where I got that fear necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like I, my family is pretty progressive in a lot of ways. We have some pretty staunch Catholics, mm-hmm. but I mean, my mom currently is a counselor for a sexual health center that mm-hmm. specializes in LGBTQ plus stuff. So I got a decent family mm-hmm. and my grandma loved me no matter what. I don't, I don't understand where that, that intrinsic value came from. We learn more outside the home yeah. actually growing up. Yeah. I just, and I know, like, I went to Catholic school, but it was never about, like, -hmm. there was never a discussion of homosexuality, and maybe it was that denial Mm -hmm. that, you know, was that intrinsic conversation, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sort of fed into the idea of, you know, flying under the radar, Mm -hmm. don't be, don't talk, don't think, don't say anything out loud, and it was sort of this same ideal equivalent to, you know, orientation, Mm -hmm that we just don't discuss it um yeah so anyway i digress um so over the past year long talks with the husband Mm -hmm. and we decided that um we would just see how it went Mm -hmm. um and i started slowly coming out to the people around me Uh, i remember you know i It's really scary when I went back to work this September. Mm-hmm. Um, my my work schedule is September to June, mm-hmm. and 
when I left last year, I was in a really bad car accident uh, in February, mm-hmm. uh, right before we went to Banff, right. um, and ended up with a concussion that left me with very little speech capabilities and um, emo- lack of emotional regulation, as well as hurt my back to the point that I could barely walk. Um, but healed from that very quickly. But in that three months that I was healing mm-hmm. um, from the physical stuff, gave me a lot of time to think in that, right? That uh, sort of was the precursor to the freak out in July. Yeah. Um, and so I had missed a few months of work and had just went back for the last month or two of the school year and had went back as Brittany, the person of questionable orientation married to a man with three kids. Mm-hmm. And then I came back in September as gay. Mm -hmm. And that was a shift. And it was one of those things where I've consciously tried to own it and put it out in front of me Mm -hmm. as a defense. Instead of having to explain things away, it's easier just to have it there. Um, So as I'm like parenting my children in these, you know, 11 years that I've been a mom Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to Catholic school, there's always been this assumed straightness, which has really pissed me off over the years. Mm -hmm. As I'm standing outside the kindergarten doors, you know, with all the other moms waiting for my kids to come out, Mm -hmm. um, there's always this idea that because I'm there with my kids, I'm straight. And I didn't understand why that bothered me so much. Like, vehemently bothered me. Until like this point now where I'm like, I'm gay and that's probably part of the reason that it was such a piss off because Mm -hmm. it was such a denial. Uh, So I really do own um, my orientation Mm -hmm. because I've spent a long time denying it. So I may as well just embrace the hell out of it now. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I have since separated. Mm -hmm. Um, Around Christmas time, I heard from a friend of mine uh, that she had feelings for me. Mm-hmm. And I'd had a crush on her for about a year. I mean, she's sitting in the room now, so it's weird I know, now. I can feel her eyes. Yeah. She's right behind me. <laughs> blushing so hard, and it's so cute because she's got red hair. <laughs> um, she was this, like, formidable force um, that walked into a room and was powerful and strong. Uh, whether or not she believes that she is is beside the point because mm-hmm. her presence owns a room and her laugh owns a room. Mm-hmm. And she texts me one night and says that she has feelings for me. And right away I started to panic, right? And I was like, I was ready to like go do it with my husband. You're like, can I go marry another like, guy? Yeah, like I was <laughs> like, I was panicking. Yeah. And instead I just sat in it. Yeah. Because that's what I've really learned to do over the years, right? Is in all of the trauma that I've had go on in my life Mm -hmm. to me, I have ran from it. And that doesn't work well. So the greatest thing I've learned over the past few years is really just sit the hell down, Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable, and it'll pass. And if it doesn't pass, then there's something I can do about it. Mm -hmm. And like it's such a profound thought to me now, but it's such a simple thing. So I sat in it and I tried to decide whether I was scared or excited because they feel the same. Um, Yeah, they do. Yeah. And 
So I erred on the side of caution and figured if in all my life I'd been scared, then maybe I should try and be excited. Mm -hmm. And that seemed like the cautious thing to do because being scared was killing me, my spirit and my soul. And so the next day I cornered her, made her promise she'd come to the Christmas party Mm -hmm. because she was actively avoiding me to no end. (laughs) And (laughs) then she almost, I'm pretty sure, bailed. Um, but she showed up and it was super uncomfortable because I make it uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because it's much easier to get through it once the, you know, discomfort's been said. Yeah. Um, then she stuck her tongue down my throat halfway through the Christmas party and you know, all history since then. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Do like air five. Yeah. (laughs) Air five. Well, and truth be told, you know, my ex-husband has said to me more times than I can count over the last few months, God, it's really good to see you laugh. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen you laugh like that before. I haven't seen you smile this much before. Mm -hmm. I'm just be jumping on the trampoline in an awkward family barbecue with my children's dad and my girlfriend Mm -hmm. and me on a trampoline. (laughs) It's not weird. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah. Dutch Catholic. It's fine. Drink more beer. Family. is good. It's okay. Um, But... It's, I take that as like a personal reassurance that I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout all of this, I've struggled with my relationship with God, to say the least, because I understand what God is for me. I have a very intellectual understanding of that. Mm-hmm. I am not a faithful person. I am not a faith-based person. I don't emotionally understand um, religion. Mm-hmm. Um, me neither. No, I don't (laughs) like, I don't like when people say they have a personal relationship with God, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. See, I have, I can understand that, but that says nothing about religion. But like, see, like I do insofar as like I chat with my creator. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my, in my youth, I spent more than a few years, uh, going to sun dances and sweating Mm -hmm. and really have like a decent, um, grasp on some um, on some beliefs and rituals that I respect more than most religions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I practice some of that stuff and practice, you know, some some pagan stuff in there. I believe mm-hmm. in intention in life and I believe that, you know, we come from the earth and we go back to the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have no problem in talking to my creator you know, sitting in a field of grass kind of deal or whatever. So you do have a personal relationship. I do, but I don't understand how people can just be like, just turn it over and this too shall pass. It's just cliche stuff. It is. Yeah. It's just, I don't. I mean, it's true, but it's not that simple, right? No. Yeah. And I just, I struggle with the simple things Mm -hmm. um, because I like to complicate them. Um, And ultimately I struggle with, trusting anything Mm -hmm. anyone um so the idea of trusting something that isn't tangible um which when you catch me on a good faith day Mm -hmm. god is very tangible to me Mm -hmm. um i just struggle period Mm -hmm. i don't because i can't necessarily understand it completely Therefore, I can't accept it completely. It feels mm-hmm. like some days. Yeah. And others, other days, it's completely fine. Yeah. 
and I have a great relationship with my creator. I always think my creator has a good relationship with me. Mm. It's just not reciprocated usually. Mm. Um, doesn't matter how much work I do uh, to heal some of my stuff. There's always going to be, you know, biases there. For sure. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, when I'm looking back at my life now, like I did a ton of work mm-hmm. growing up to stay alive no matter how hard I tried to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were times where I was literally trying to kill myself. And yet here I am. And I spent a lot of times, whole lot of time in my life denying the fact that I just happen to dig chicks more than I dig guys Mm -hmm. and tried so many times to end that permanently. Mm -hmm. And yet here I am happy and, you know, with a woman. I got to come out to my kids over the past month, Mm -hmm. month and a half. One of my kids is a lot like me. Yeah. And she had some questions and some feelings about it, but got it. Mm -hmm. Then I came out to my other two kids who are the tiny professor and Google junior. Mm -hmm. And they are very black and white in some ways. And they were completely fine. And everything that I have ever built up about this awful part of me, I thought Mm. is wrong. And I think that's probably been the weirdest thing to accept in all of this is Mm. that everything I thought I knew is wrong Mm. and that's okay. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to a point in my life where there won't be that voice in my head, much like an alcoholic whose alcoholic inside is always doing push-ups waiting. Mm -hmm. Um, My, my trauma comes back really quickly. Mm-hmm. God forbid my girlfriend leave the house quickly when I think she's upset because it sets off so many issues inside mm-hmm. my head that I can't function. And God forbid, you know, any of that trauma be triggered in an instant mm-hmm. because everything changes. And like, I've been in therapy for 25 years mm-hmm. and it's still there. So I don't know, maybe I'll be like 90 and, you know, she'll be able to tell me to go to hell and I won't worry if she's abandoning me and never coming back and what's wrong with me and why aren't I lovable? (laughs) God, I don't know. Um, I do know that throughout all of it, the consistent theme in my life has always been that I live with integrity Mm. and I live with honesty and I try and be accountable. And it seems that every year that passes, the definition of what those means and what those look like changes. Mm. I didn't understand this time a few years ago that being accountable meant actually saying out loud I'm gay. And that living with integrity means, no, I separate from my husband and he moves down to the basement. Mm. And being honest means saying to my Catholic family a couple weeks ago, oh, this is my girlfriend Mm. Um, and living with that. Uh, also, my very religious in-law. So that's that was it was an awful day. That was all in one day. Um, Good planning. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, but you pulled a bandaid off, man. That's 
Yeah, but band-aids are there to help things heal. <laughs> when you rip that off, it just bleeds and gets infected. True. Like, it's True. awful. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I guess that's that's pretty much my story. Like, it's mm-hmm. so long and drawn out, much like it feels like my life is some days. That's but, how it feels, for real. Like, at the end of the day, man, mm-hmm. I have awesome kids. Mm-hmm. My ex-husband is one of my dearest friends, and he's a wonderful human being. I am in love with a woman with fire red hair and a spirit that matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a family around me who loves me, period. Totally. And I have friends that have known me as Brittany married to the dude with the kids mm-hmm. and Brittany the gay girl. Mm-hmm. And they know the difference in how I feel and how I am. And as long as I can keep mirroring back to them what that means, um, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever all make sense that, you know, kid Brittany had to go through so much stuff mm-hmm. and that adult Brittany still has to go through stuff because of it. Seems really unfair. Yeah. But. Um, it's like a double ripoff. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like getting your wallet stolen and getting all your ID replaced and the same person comes and steals your wallet from you again. Yeah. Or but waits like five years. Like a bank card. Yeah, or a bank card. Yeah. Some yeah. cops somewhere in this planet. Yeah, on their bicycles. <laughs> yeah. Bicycles. <laughs> I, I want, want to, to ride, ride my, my bicycle. bicycle. Oh, God. That movie. Did you? <laughs> did I you seen see, it yet. You haven't? <gasps> no. Shut up. Is it good? Oh, I like. I almost held hands with the stranger next to me. Ooh! I held. I held good, the girlfriend's eh? hand, and <clears throat> I wept. Yeah. Like I knew I loved Freddie Mercury before. I knew some bomb. of what he represented, yeah. but like, I identified with his story mm-hmm. so much. Like that was one of the nights that I got home and sat in the garage after and physically vomited mm-hmm. years of shame again. Yeah. Like it. That movie. Hands down in my top 10, yeah. top three, oh, probably really? just because I identified with it yeah. so much. God, like his wife told him he was gay and he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like there was, yeah, yeah, it was good. Well, and the, you know, the funny thing is, is as you're talking and telling your story, it just like, it brings up so much of my own, right? Like, yeah. the, like when I came out at 24, when I first came out to my family and my best friend and stuff. And then as soon as I was out for probably three weeks, and I was hanging out with this dude and another dude and whatever, because that's what that's what I thought you had to do. I'm not going to say that's what mm-hmm. you do. That's just what I thought that I yeah. had to do. And then I, I can't remember what it was that scared the bejesus out of me and sent me running back to a woman. Slam goes the door. But it was, it was exactly the same thing. It was like that I was terrified because this one guy wanted to get like emotional with me. Yeah. I was like, dude. You are out your mind, bro. Well, that's bro. just it. I could do a girl no problem and walk away, but God forbid there be feelings involved. Oh, no yeah. feelings yeah. allowed. And it was weird because I was finally out. Yeah. And and I know, well, I don't know what it was like for you, but I know from my own experience what kept me in, like really in, even with bisexuality and stuff. It mm-hmm. was all the shit that I heard from Friends, not talking about me, mm-hmm. talking about it in general growing about up. the others. About the homosexuals. Yeah. And as your grandma said, that word, I won't even repeat it. Because it's That's just, the only time I ever use it yeah, is when I tell that story. It's an awful word. But it mm-hmm. puts a point on that story, right? Because mm-hmm. that word 
sums up like everything that people have been fighting for to not have that mm. word. Well, and right? for me, just like the triangle, like that's what the Nazis used to stamp homosexuals yeah. during that time period too, was mm -hmm. a giant pink triangle. Yeah. And that's what the LGBTQ plus community did to take it back mm -hmm. was own it. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of what the F word means. Well, and see, that's like the, that, so if you ever wonder why, you kept going back or why I kept going back yeah. It's because of all that. Right. It's because of everything we've ever heard about it and not from our parents. My parents never said a bad thing about anybody. No, they just didn't. Right. Absolutely. However, not. every time I left the house and then I learned from a biologist that actually that's where kids learn more yeah. outside of the home. That's what sociology states, yeah. right? It's because just, we don't pay attention to our parents as much. No, no, we pay attention to our peers and our <laughs> yeah, colleagues. Our peers. Absolutely. Yeah. So of course we're hearing all that crap. And even if we don't remember the words or who said it, like, no, I can remember being afraid. That's all yeah. I remember. Even as an adult who would literally pound the snot out of people for few, few things, very mm -hmm. little reason needed to be given. I was terrified yeah. of that my somebody peer group find finding me, finding out that I was bisexual. Well, and my, like my fear, um, was laying solely in shame. Mm -hmm. Like I get that now, the feeling behind the fear was soul mm -hmm. shame. And I can't, I've never been like this shame-based person. Yeah. But over the past year and a half, I realized like that's been my entire life and mm -hmm. I totally didn't know that. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. like it was permeating in all of our pores so yeah. we couldn't even see it anymore. Right? Yeah. Like the shame was a part of my personality. It wasn't just something I felt. Absolutely. Right? That's pretty wise, man. Well, that's how it felt for me, right? Yeah. It was like shame became a part of, of me. It, it wasn't, wasn't a feeling. It was just me. Yeah, not anymore, right? Yeah. Until like, um, oh, I get goosebumps like going back and thinking about this hey, and listening to your story because it's so it's so much like in, in line with, similar with Yeah, I own. feel a lot of parallels when you yeah. say some of yours. And it's, um, I'm just really grateful that you didn't have to spend your life because I'll tell you what, um, when I finally... I think it was only, I'm going to say it was probably five years ago, four mm -hmm. years ago, four and a half. My friend Jess would know better. Um, but it was four and a half years ago where I actually came out again yeah. to my friends. Where I was like, you know what? I, I say this shit, right? But yeah. I'm not living this shit. Like, I know that I'm bisexual, but I'm not living it. There's that assumed straightness, right? That's Putting it. on I, the mask. And I, I let people do that. Yeah. Right? I just, and, you know, it was... It happens so much because I appear to be straight, right? Like yeah. most people who meet me for the first time say, oh, that's a straight dude. And if you probably touched his butt, he'd punch you in the face. No, <laughs> I'd like it, just so <laughs> you know. Giggle. If there's anyone out there who's thinking of touching my butt, I will giggle. Make okay? sure you lube your finger first. If you're going to do anything like that, use yeah. lube. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, Got your back side. It's like a nice cavity search in Mexico, right? Like, yeah. use some lube, officer. Everyone loves it. <laughs> See, <laughs> but that's like the. It's hard when you when you fall into a, and this was always a part of my issue growing up was that I continuously fell into. If it was high school, I was playing football. Yeah. Right? If it was um, college, I was. I don't know. Oh yeah, I was post army, so everything. Yeah, every, no so doubt. I was in the army for literally fifteen minutes, right? But when I left there, because my identity that was all was, you needed. That's it. Because it was it just this reconfirmation, right? Yeah. This it perpetuates the stereotype yeah. and the stigma. Totally did. 
Absolutely. And it just makes you feel, makes me feel more shame. So it starts to build that personality, Mm. right? That shame based personality who like, I'm not really afraid of anyone. I don't Mm. remember ever being afraid of a person. Yeah. Like I'm afraid of most normal things that people are afraid of getting hit by cars, blah, blah, blah. But I, I just don't remember ever being afraid of a person because I don't know about yourself, but surviving child abuse and sexual abuse as a child, like nothing really scares me anymore. No, I can take pretty much anything on. Yeah, you can until, but beforehand there was always that like really high anxiety. Yeah. Because part of me would forget what was survived Mm -hmm. and it would just be like, oh my God, you're going to be abused again. Yeah. Right. But then I'd get in the situation and be like, nobody's taking advantage of me. I'm fine. I can do this. Especially at like 20, right? When it's like, um, just makes sense. But I am, I was so grateful when you started to talk about it, right? Yeah. Um, and I think I was grateful that you chose obviously to talk to me because I feel honored by that. But I also feel like I I just would not want anyone to live any longer with the misery that I that I live mm. with than is absolutely necessary. Well, right? and I know like when I hear snippets of your story, I I ca- I can't catch my breath mm. because there's so much. A resounding similarity mm-hmm. um and this when when everything started coming to light and i was spiraling it was like your voice mm. and you know your partner's voice that was the grounding root mm-hmm. for a while um so thank you egg. for your openness over the years because oh, yeah. if it wasn't for that i mean i don't know where i'd be right mm-hmm. now it's only been a year and a half but my entire world is shifted mm-hmm. um, along with my orientation. I'm just grateful so. to be a part of it. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. <laughs> Not as one of the mistakes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I know, right? And it, But it's like, I think that's always why I felt, one of the reasons why I felt the kinship with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like from the time we met, like it was just like the, like we were brother and sister almost, right? Absolutely. Away, which is why we could annoy each other and still love each other, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Favorite person of wet willy, favorite person of hug. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. I like wet willies. Me totally. too. Yeah. Yeah. No, like giving them, not getting them. Oh, I like both. I'm yeah. a giver. Yeah. I'm a, in that one area. Oh. I'm a bit of I'm a bit of everything. I'm a bit of rock and roll and rap music, I think. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I but when you st- when you're talking about the the first woman that you actually connected with, it's like it reminded me of the first man that I really connected with, mm. which was, it was so weird because it wasn't while I was out. Mm. It was like, it was during the end of my drinking and using where I was like, and then early into recovery when I yeah. met this guy. And it was really strange, but it was it was the moment I knew that there was more to my um, desire for men than just sex. Yeah. And it wasn't that I liked men more than women because that's not true. It was like, to me it's the same. It's similar. Right. Yeah. So it kind of, cause I thought I was gay at first when I came out, I came out as gay. I said, I'm mom and dad, I'm gay brothers. I'm gay. Uh, best friend. I'm gay. And he was so like fantastic about it. Yeah. Like, he was the first one I came out to as my best friend, Dominic. And when I came out to him, he just kind of like, we were eating at, I think we were at Moxie's. <laughs> and, yeah. We were eating. No, he just kind of looked at me and he's like, all right, okay, what go. can I do? <laughs> right and he goes and then it was some joke about you're not gonna try and touch my dick are you or something like that because that's what guys do yeah right when they're done it years ago yeah yeah no i already thought about that (laughs) no yeah because it it was never like that 
mm-hmm. right? But when I came out as that, I thought, okay, this is what I have to be. Yeah. Because I didn't know there was a a way to be bisexual. Yeah. Because what does that even look like? So every time I started getting cozy with the dude, I would fucking run back to some chick, you know? And after I came out, this was the fun. To me, it's funny in hindsight, not at the time. <laughs> but when I came out, I like three or four weeks later, I went right into a almost like marriage type situation with mm-hmm. a woman where I broke up with her two weeks into going out with her. I told her, this isn't going to work. You're nuts, right? Like mm. I was like, get out, be gone. And then she had this weird way of calling me back and she did something. She said something that triggered me, caught my attention. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess my alternative is being gay. <laughs> that's too scary. So I'm going to go back with this crazy, crazy banana. better than gay. Right? Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Absolutely. Because like truly being open and part of what helps me today is because Heather's so open. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And we're both, when we got together, we said this. We said, look, we I, I will not let you take this side of me away. Yeah. And I will not take that side of you away. Right? Because I know how hard it is to live without that side of me available, yeah. right? Because that side of me just is- Just to honor it. Just to honor it, right? Well, and that's sort of like the whole idea of, I don't know what it's like to be bi or mm-hmm. how to be bi. Like it goes in line with that idea of two genders, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe in that fluidity. And mm-hmm. I think that as we become more progressive in our uh, liberties and mindset, mm-hmm. that as gender becomes more fluid and orientation becomes more fluid, mm-hmm. things like having to have a discussion with your partner about honoring that side, quote mm-hmm. unquote, side of you, um, will become a little bit more moot, mm-hmm. is my hope. Because I hope so. You know, both of you deserve to have your souls honored. 100%. It just so happens that you love all people, mm-hmm. um, not just one side of the gender spectrum. Yeah. And you know what's funny about that? You're right. And what's funniest to me about that with Heather is that I would never, I'd never have asked another person to do it, but I've always allowed people to tell me to, mm. right? Because it's kind of the same thing with um, being an alcoholic or an addict, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, you can, you can talk about it if you want, or you could like live the recovery thing and mm-hmm. the best you can, Um but you can't go back in the closet because when you go back in the closet mm-hmm. as an alcoholic, you drink. Yeah. That's what happens. You go back in the closet as an addict, you use. Yeah. That's the, that's usually what's happening. And it's obviously a, a contribution by all these different outside entities yeah. pushing us there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and truth be told, you go back in the closet, you know, orientation-wise, it's a good chance you'll die just the same. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I spent no a lot of time trying to die. So mm. it's not much point. Yeah. I know a lot of people that wouldn't drink or do drugs again one more time because they know they'll die. Yeah. So I equate it about the same. Mm-hmm. I, I do too. It is that serious. Yeah. And that's really been the trauma that I've, like outside of the abuse and other stuff that I might have done later in life. Like mm-hmm. the really, it's the trauma from just like shaming myself every time I turned around. Yeah. And you know, it was funny when I was a kid, I started writing a new book and it's not going very well because mm. it's about trauma. So it's really hard to write. Yep. It's um, choppy and full of it tears. Is. <laughs> it's totally fucking me up. Yeah. And, but I'm looking at what happened like in a more, factual kind of way mm-hmm. as opposed to like what actually occurred and so as i'm un, un, outlining some of not the details of the abuse so much as yeah. but what i realize is 
when I was younger and being abused, men never shamed me. Mm. Women always shamed me. Mm. They shamed me for um, what they made me do. Mm. But men didn't say nothing about shame because mm. they were like, don't be ashamed. Yeah, you it know? happens, man. It happens. This is what happens, blah, 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 right? They never said a word about shame. So it's interesting that I would be ashamed to be bisexual, but not ashamed to be with a woman, considering that's where a good that's percentage experience. of the emotional stuff came from. Well, that just goes to show you a societal stigma, though. Yeah. I mean, it's okay to be with a sh you know, awful woman. Yeah. As long as you're not with that kind dude. Yeah, that kind yeah. dude, right? Who's actually, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I was a child still. Mm -hmm. So both were abusing me, but it, it it's weird how I can actually now, as time goes on, remember that. Mm -hmm. Just remember with clarity that men never made me feel bad about it. Mm. It was only, I felt bad about it because everyone else felt bad about it. That's quite the impact. Right? Like it's such a mind fuck, that stuff. It is. Mm -hmm. I think back now to all the lessons that I learned without knowing i learned right and how much they steered so much of my life mm -hmm. like again going back I, I don't know if i'll ever get why i thought it was so wrong to be gay when like i have worked for and volunteered for many committees and communities mm -hmm. that support and encourage gay rights mm -hmm. I, I just i never got it Mm -hmm. And yet here we are, right? And, you know, every time something else would pass, I'd cheer. Mm -hmm. And yet here I am in the frickin' closet. I just, it it blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Not anymore, know. sister. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not anymore, eh? I, I suppose not. It's a good yeah. thing I told the kids then. Totally. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anyone left that I needed nope. to tell. So here you go. All right. Well, my whoever's out there listening yeah. and you didn't know, now you know. My name is Brittany. I'm a person in recovery. Yeah. I happen to be gay. Yeah. And and you know what? Like before we close, I know how long is it? Very long. Hour and 10? Okay. okay. So before we close though, um, what did I want to say? To those people out there. So there's lots of people and, and maybe it's straight people or bi or whoever, whoever it is that think that we, sh that people shouldn't have a pride parade, that people shouldn't mm. say they're gay, <gasps> that people shouldn't be out like that. So, there's a lot of reasons why we need to be. And just one, one small reason why we need to be is for a personal ability to be who we are. Well, and on that note, I have a little story to share. Please. So last summer, you were at the Pride Parade. Mm -hmm. I was at the Pride Parade. Yeah, we were. All of my or, kids were at the Pride Parade. Yeah. My mom was. Um, I got to ride a Pride float with my mom and my middle kit. Yeah. Um, and she said to me, she's nine. And said to me, the instant we got there, I have found my people. Mm -hmm. And she had these tears of joy in her eyes. And she was laughing. Yeah. This open, exuberant laugh. I had never heard her laugh. Oh, my God. And we're on the pride route. And we're just about to turn a corner. Mm -hmm. And I can see protesters. And there's only about a half a dozen, a dozen there mm -hmm. with their giant, stupid signs. Yeah. So I jumped off the float like probably a solid 30, 40 feet before we would get within proper sight of them. Mm -hmm. Cause I didn't want my nine year old seeing that. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want her knowing that this one place that she felt free was about to be intruded upon. Mm -hmm. So I went over to hand the frontline people some candy to give to the protesters because I'm a firm believer as a duchy that food is love. Mm -hmm. So they informed me that they had already given them candy. 
And that made me so very happy. So I hopped back on the float Mm -hmm. and balled up my nine-year-old next to me and went to like cover her eyes so that she couldn't see them. And wouldn't you know it, this group of people started standing in front of the protesters and started holding up their signs higher Mm -hmm. to cover their signs. And they all started chanting, God is love, as we turned the corner. Mm -hmm. And my daughter had no idea there were protesters there. And my daughter got to end the parade blowing bubbles and cheering and knowing what love looks like. Yeah. And being able to share that experience. I've been to so many pride parades over the years. Yeah. But I sat on a friggin' church float with my mom and my kid mm-hmm. who had no idea that there was there's some shitty things out there in the yeah. world. And all she got to feel was the love. Yeah. And like that's what pride's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So for those people that feel that we don't need a parade, yeah. Let somebody tell you you can't laugh for twenty five years of your life, thirty five, mm-hmm. forty five years of your life. You can't laugh and try and hold that in mm-hmm. because that's a part of you and you have to deny that. You can't feel joy mm-hmm. for that long. You hold that in and see if you don't deserve some little recognition mm-hmm. at the end of the day that says you're safe, you're loved, you're worthy of love, and you're valued. Mm-hmm. So it's important. It's important to celebrate how far we've come mm-hmm. and it's important to keep an eye on how far we need to go. Yeah, and and how far we've come because of all the people who've given their lives for this, right? No doubt. Like I get goosebumps as you talk, and I it's just so many people have given their lives, yeah, like literally their lives for it. Yeah, you know, taking the beatings, taking the the stabbings, the killings. I was just listening to what song is it? Ah, uh, oh God, it's in, it 1984. Mm. Um. I'm never going to remember it now on the spot, Yeah, but it was a pride anthem for a long time. Was and it, it was about a boy who was in love and was beaten. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a good song. Yeah. But yeah, that's how far we've come. I mean, it still happens everywhere. Yeah. It does. Well, I just read some news stuff about some country. Can't remember the name of it. They legalized. It's legal to stone homosexuals mm. to death. Mm. Um, don't they know that we're willing to go jump off bridges most of the time? Yeah. If somebody just says the right thing. Yeah. Like it's a lot easier to get us just to group together and off us all at once because yeah. we'll do it ourselves if yeah. you give us the chance. If you keep pushing those yeah. buttons, right? Like that. And and I don't, I just don't, I don't understand. Like there's a lot I don't understand about that bigotry mm-hmm. stuff. But one of the things I really can't grasp is because I guess I've, I, I've, and maybe when I was a teenager and younger, I had weird ideas and said stupid shit and did, I almost did a bunch of dumb shit because I was mm-hmm. trying to hide my homes, my bisexuality, what I thought at that time was homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And why did I say it like homosexuality? <laughs> like some redneck. <laughs> okay, I can't call myself a lesbian because I say lesbian. Lesbian. Every time. <laughs> a lesbian. Now I can't even remember what I was going to say. Um... At that time, you were doing stupid things to mm-hmm. deny. Yeah, to deny whatever I could to get people not to think I was yeah. gay, right? Because that was like a bad thing. Uh, but I can't remember where I was going with that. I'm sorry, man. No, it's my bad. Ask yeah. Darcy. It happens every time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, Darcy. Way to go, Darcy. Oh, you were trying to find it? Yeah. The anthem? Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was about pride still. But it, it's about just the fact that Oh yeah, it was. I don't understand why it matters to anybody. Mm. I don't 
I don't fucking get it. So I did this. Stu- I I did a course, a few well, a few courses, mm. where we were studying statistics of human population versus homosexuality. Mm. Um, and as the population decreases, the call against homosexuality increases um, quite often. Blaming that for population drops? Well, no, they want no the opposite. That mm. they want the population to increase, so gay's bad. Because gay doesn't procreate. Um, but as our world is becoming more overpopulated, again, um, the call for gay rights is increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as like economics would go to shit, um, the idea of a traditional man and woman, man goes to support the family, woman stays home, mm-hmm. uh, came into play um, to raise the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these different little factors. So I don't think, like, I think insidiously we've been ingrained as a society to believe that homosexuality is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, Judeo-Christian but, beliefs, yeah. Yeah, but even, I mean, religion aside, mm-hmm. just the economics um, and population growth alone have been part of the equation mm-hmm. um, in why why bigotry increases at certain points. Well, that makes in sense. In the 80s, we yeah. hit... A pretty pretty bad recession mm-hmm. and wouldn't you know it the the gays they started getting the aids mm-hmm. and then gay is really bad and scary and you're gonna die if you're gay because mm-hmm. we're in a recession and we need to boost the economy mm-hmm. so let's go buy guns let's go buy knives and ropes mm-hmm. let's go buy masks to protect against the aids mm-hmm. right let's shun these people and not give them proper health care because we can save money mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's all comes down to money and power. Mm, such a combination of mm-hmm. things, eh? Like, yeah, what a, it's kind of like when some people say, oh, well, genes are responsible for this or this. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we know that's not true right now, but because now it's, we are starting to realize environment mm-hmm. and all kinds of factors in between environment, then maybe genes. Like yep. genes are activated, but that's not the main cause, right? Like, yeah, I may have like a, you know, a little bit more of a draw towards certain things. Sure. Once that, once it's modulated, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But I also may have a bit of a draw towards other things too mm-hmm. in life, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a facet of. That's right. Just a facet. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you, David. You're welcome. You're wonderful. No, you're wonderful. No, you're wonderful. You're the most wonderful. You're the mostest wonderfulest ever. <laughs> Except for your partner. She's better. She is better. Yeah. yeah. There's no question though that she's okay, the so best to me. Yeah. She's the best part of our house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say my cat is, but my cat likes my girlfriend more than she likes me. So. Oh, Judas. Absolute traitor. <laughs> Absolute. It's okay. I think my girlfriend likes my cat more than she likes me anyway. So. I doubt that. It's fine. It's her cat. She changes its poopy box, <laughs> as she calls it. Are you still recording? This is oh. awesome. This is awesome. This is good. <laughs> Best ending ever. <laughs> Poopy box. <laughs> we would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving of, to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, 
Your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morigeau, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca, or find us on Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.